this episode, we have Liam Walker from Intelligent Charging Systems returning to the Future Skills podcast. Liam is talking about the current state of the EV charging industry and also discusses the synergy with solar and battery storage. Let's join the conversation hosted by our very own Ryan. Liam, welcome back to Future Skills Podcast. I think this is your second time, isn't it, joining us? Yeah, twice a charm, twice mate. Twice yeah. A charm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us, Ryan. No, it's good to be back at Universal Skills Group as always, mate. So thank you for having me. No worries. I mean, I think last time you here was four months ago. So really, know, back in oh, back in January, which feels like a lifetime ago. Feels like a lot has happened in that time. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. If you can kind of talk about, you know from in terms of charging systems perspective, like how it's been for you guys? Yeah, so there's obviously been sort of widespread coverage on the changes within the industry, not 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 just from a kind of an electrical perspective in terms of performance and safety, uh, but certainly for grants that are available that are related to obviously the, the end user and, and the installer. So yeah, there has been an awful lot going on in the sort of early part of 2022. And yeah, hopefully we're geared and prepared for the, the changes that are coming into place later this year and beyond. So Yeah, I mean, from I mean, my perspective, I think a lot of people are kind of seeing this at the moment. We've obviously got rising energy prices, fuel prices going up. There's got to be some sort of impact, you'd think, on kind of the EV market. I don't know if you can talk a bit about that. Like, Yeah, the, the, our government are, are clever, aren't they? They've put yeah. the cost of electricity <laughs> up after encouraging everyone to switch to an electric car. So yeah, yeah no, no, no jokes aside, I think um, it, there's certainly been uh, widespread coverage and focus in, in the media and in the industry yeah. in terms of comparing the, the, the cost of running uh, an internal combustion engine vehicle against an electric vehicle. Uh, I think it's certainly been one of the the factors that people within the EV charging industry have liked to discuss and look at in terms of trying to justify to people considering the switch, well actually do you realise you may save this yeah. amount and yeah you, you are right the cost the cost has gone up but you know so is the cost of the fuel pumps as well yeah, quite exactly. significantly so um, you know the, the, there's still certainly in terms of a, a cost saving benefit for an individual I still think there's, it, 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 it weighs in favour of switching, it certainly yeah. does. Um, that's purely just from the financial, of course. There's there's a lot of other benefits from switching to to electric. But no, from a you know you guys are a business, and I see you have Universal Skills Group branded vehicles outside yeah. and whatnot. And there's certainly there's certainly a desire to increase the green credentials and meet sustainability targets from companies. So so yeah, it's it's trying to make sure that they transition to provide the, the services that they require to help move their business forward to show that they are, you know, they're conscious of their carbon footprint and making sure it's a cost-effective solution. So, yeah, we've been consulted by all manner of people from from SMEs, from uh, the one-man band electrician to the shop owner who's thinking of having one outside his shop to um, somebody who owns a commercial building and lets that out. So, yeah, it's been it's been great in terms of the interaction we've had with, uh, with, with respective uh, target audiences, yeah. Yeah, because you'd think, like, obviously with... All the governments are telling at the moment in terms of you know improving the infrastructure across the board. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going in that direction in terms of like you know everyone kind of shifting from combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles. I think that is definitely the future. I think one thing that kind of puts a lot of people off at the moment is this fear mongering about obviously energy prices going up mm-hmm. and the cost of filling up at the pump also going up at the same time. It's kind of like what what would you say is like 
still the justification from moving from one to the other at this stage. And as well, you've got to think as about, I think we mentioned with Dan last time about the cost of EV not quite matching what you have with a diesel petrol car. Like. Yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. I think anybody who's got a vested interest in our industry, Ryan, would, would struggle to argue that the outright cost of these vehicles is, yeah. is certainly uh, significantly more than their petrol or diesel equivalent. However, I mean, you're a little bit younger than me, but I remember a time when the flat screen televisions first came out and consumer demand has subsequently led to those yeah. reducing in price and then becoming a lot more affordable. And I know it's perhaps a, a slightly far-fetched comparison comparing a flat screen television to a, you know, a, something that's that's highly dependent, you know, highly dependent upon in terms of a vehicle. But uh, consumer de- demand, I suspect, will, will, will make them a, a more affordable purchase. And having said that. There's not many people these days that do buy a car outright. I know there are still are some. A lot of people tend to to get them on you know some sort of of leasing platform, and there are some really favourable rates. When I, I mean I do take an interest, I go and look to see what's available and what on offer. I do look online, and there does seem to be an increasing amount of affordable packages that are put on offer because of course people looking to switch to electric, they're they're, attra- they're an attractive target audience to aim at, aren't they? Yeah. You know. Also, as you know, there's quite a substantial amount of people who are fortunate enough to drive a business vehicle or their businesses have a fleet of vehicles that they're, they're perhaps looking to, if soon, if they haven't already, looking to transition to electric. So, yeah, um, I suspect consumer demand will, will influence the cost of those vehicles outright at the minute yeah. because, they're, because they're still, unfortunately, although the, increase is, the, the, sorry, the interest is, is increasingly growing at a rapid rate, they're still a minority compared to their diesel or petrol equivalent at the moment, but this, I think this, the, the data and statistics suggest that it's one in 16 now in the UK of new vehicles purchased are electric. So, you know, we're looking to see that, you know, shorten even further and get closer to some of the figures that are comparable on the continent. So Yeah, I mean, you make a valid point in terms of like, over time you'd expect that EV cars would get a lot cheaper than what would come into parity with what we've got now for petrol and diesel. And I think it all comes down, I think, to the, the price of the battery at the moment. I think it's the most expensive component mm. within an electric vehicle. So you'd imagine like over the next couple of years, I think, you know, we're seeing it now with certain car manufacturers, like their plans are starting to change more towards going full electric, going yeah. you know, plug-in and hybrid vehicles rather mm-hmm. than, you know, investing in petrol and diesel cars. So you sure. assume with this influx of demand that you would reach a point of economies of scale with that stuff and prices would begin to start falling. yeah absolutely I, you know there's so many there's so many things that are linked to to this round that maybe some people myself included at times forget about i mean yeah uh, you're quite right these um and it's and it is your more recognizable car manufacturers who are committing you know committing to this so that the the cop 26 climate change conference yeah. up in scotland before christmas you know, there's there's a number of very high-profile manufacturers who've already, you know are committed to to adhering to those targets for, you know, the, the the stopping of developing those internal combustion engines and fixing on on a on a pure electric range. Some of them have have committed to uh, that slightly later, but but have committed to having hybrid versions available. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I I read recently that they're looking to build a. Uh, a gigafactory in terms of you know for for uh, a gigabat uh, factory a uh, gigabattery battery 
uh, manufacturing plants uh, to aid the development and increase the development production rate because the demand is there. Yeah. You speak to people who've got cars and ordered and then some of your colleagues here at Universal Skills Group have, uh, have now taken ownership of their new electric vehicles but there was a time speaking to both Dan and Darren where they were talking to me about lead times and lead times extending and increasing so yeah. the demand um, is there but perhaps the supply isn't quite at the right rate to, to, you know, to, to meet that demand. So yeah, um, investments are, are coming in thick and fast to ensure that the, 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 the demand can, can be met with the supply. So Yeah, I think that kind of tails off quite nicely actually talking about you know, EV infrastructure at the moment. As I kind of mentioned before, like government have put quite a bit of time in to kind of come up with this plan mm. in terms of investing in an EV infrastructure that works across the country basically. Um, I just want to get your thoughts in terms of like, do you think that we're currently at a point where, you know, if, if demand for EV increases, are we there, you know, is the infrastructure in place to kind of match that at the moment? Right now, in terms of charging provision, which is probably the, the first port of call where you'd focus your attentions right now, is without, you know, and, and uh, well, as, as no, no for people at the minute who haven't, uh, who haven't taken the leap of faith and switched. Yeah. One thing that is key to remember though is, Unlike a petrol or diesel vehicle, you can recharge your electric vehicle at night time, which most people um, don't require their, their car for whilst you're in bed or whilst the car's inactive in the state or, or now you're at, we're at the workplace here, my vehicle's charging outside your, your premises, my car's stationary. You know, you can't refuel the petrol or diesel, you know, unless you're in the Formula One industry and what have you. But <laughs> while, the, while the vehicle's stationary, you have the ability to to replenish an electric vehicle. You do not have that luxury with a petrol or a diesel vehicle. So you have to, and, and, and listen, now, you know, my previous trips to a, a petrol forecourt and yours, no doubt, they're very short in most cases and, 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 and increasingly manufacturers of charge points and those sites that are looking to have charging provision, they're trying to replicate that, that, that positive user experience by increasing the rate of charge that these charge points can offer so that the users are in and out, you know, and it's yeah. it, it's quick. But but in terms of access to charge points, no, that needs to that needs to increase. And you only have to go on the Zap Map um, platform to look at both the the map in terms of charge point population, but also the statistics to suggest how frequently new charge points are being installed. Whether that's yeah. the AC units that you have outside that are charging on single or three phase, or the the DC rapid charger types, you know, where people are you know visiting service stations or supermarkets or hotels or public car parks where they want to maximise their charging um, provision in a very short period of time. But yeah, you know, ultimately not everybody has access to off-street parking lines. So, you know, the, the yeah, there's, there's government funding available to all UK local authorities, the Orcs uh, fund for 20 million quid for this financial year. So it's on-street residential charge point scheme. So. But be, I'm very interested to see the the innovation development from manufacturers to to provide that. We're it, we're we're perhaps not quite at that point in terms of having a, a, an an on street offering. Um, when when I say that, I mean in terms of say to a lamp post where some manufacturers are looking at developing a charge point that's built within a lamp a street lamp. You know? Yeah. Um, certainly from a, a uh, sorry from a, a DC charging perspective, that's certainly on our immediate roadmap and something that we will. We will uh, fortunately have added to our arsenal before the close of this year, but 
But yeah, twenty million pounds worth of funding for on street residential charge point scheme probably probably doesn't sound like a lot, but when you consider that there's more and more of these EV charging forecourts that are popping up, the fact that a lot of employees have the capacity to charge at work and companies like yourselves are recognising that they need to provide a charging provision for their staff. You know, the the the, the argument that there's not an existing infrastructure whatsoever for yeah. people to switch, I think is is becoming it's becoming one that's more and more difficult to back up with with, yeah. with proof. Um, and like I said, you look at the data on, on ZapMap in terms of how frequently new charge points are being installed, it's it's pretty extensive. And you know, you you're based here at a, a training as a training provider, you no doubt from the footfall you have entering the, the building for people looking to get educated on electric vehicle charge point installation. There's certainly a demand there to provide provide those courses. So, do we have enough installers? Well, if you're able to get an electrician to come round to your house, mate, to wire a plug socket, you've done great. Because where I live, you've got you know the demand for for any trade, but electricians in particular is, you know, it's it, it's difficult to get hold of one. So now, of course, um, there's a reason why you're able to offer so many courses and ha- and have them f- you know fully subscribed to is because. Yeah. There's not enough, and the demand is there. So, so yeah, very interesting. And but and one point I will add, sorry, before you move on, is that, that I speak to people who say, "Well, I'm not switching until there's a 500, 600, 700 mile range electric vehicle yeah. available." Now, you think of the development that the batteries have to undertake to be able to encompass that amount of range, yeah, the size of the batteries, and 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 building that within an electric vehicle, and making sure that it's. You know, it's cost effective because to have a battery that's capable of that sort of range, it's going to be extensive battery packs and you know it's going to add a lot of weight to a vehicle. But and development and and, and in turn, you spoke about it earlier about affordability, yeah. that's not going to necessarily bring the, the, the cost of these vehicles down in the short term. So, are we better off aiming to have this sort of current range, which I think is extensive at the minute, you know, in terms of there's a lot of vehicles coming out now that can do 200, 250, or even over yeah. 300 miles of range in a single charge. Are we better off investing in making sure the charging infrastructure is more accessible for people to charge maybe more frequently at a, at a arguably at a quicker rate? So yeah. there's certainly an argument at the minute to say, do we need to develop vehicles that have larger range? Maybe so. Do we need to improve on the charging infrastructure? Undoubtedly. So yeah, yeah. that's that's something that I, I, I at, at the moment I'm, I'm certainly speaking to more and more people about. Yeah, and, and to be fair to your point, like in terms of like the range of vehicles nowadays when it comes to EV charging, they're a lot. They're not better than what they were. Like if you look back at like Tesla, like a decade ago, like the range on those, like you'd be paying a premium for you know three hundred odd miles, I'd say. But even when you look at like again petrol and diesel cars, you're talking three or four hundred when you fill up a tank, and then again you're having to refuel anyway. So, you know that, that's getting to a point I think of parity now with, with with that stuff. I guess my question really is then in terms of looking at the infrastructure, obviously parts of it for an installer, obviously being upskilled from say like a normal electrician to go into EV charge point installation is, I mean one of the things we talk about is the OZEP grant and. You know, what that now means for resources. Because I know you kind of mentioned about on-street parking. I think grants are still in place for that, but obviously the home charging schemes ended from March. So do you think there needs to be more put in place around the grants? When you spoke to Dan last time, I think as well, you mentioned, I think it needs to be a bit more clear in terms of like what should be happening in that area. Yeah, you can't get much clearer than stopping it altogether, getting rid of it altogether, yeah, can you, in yeah. terms of the domestic grant. Now, 
Um, listen, you're right to allude to previous discussions with Dan, and, and, and you know certainly it's a, it's been a topical discussion, Ryan, for so long about the 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 difficulty or the lack of clarity at times that that Josef have perhaps provided. And one thing I will say is that I think Josef get a, a, a little bit at times of unjust and unfair stick, but. That um, we're we're in the industry we're seeing them recognizing that they need to go to greater lengths to support the the installer network yeah. who can in turn support their customer base for accessing grants and they have certainly made an effort to provide a lot more clearer guidelines and instructions both to charge point manufacturers like ourselves so in recent times we've received correspondence from from OZEV um, where they've detailed changes and provided guidance notes perhaps to both manufacturers I've seen it for installers as well so if that's not somebody who's trying to work collaboratively with people in the industry I don't know what is so it's been great to see them acknowledge that yes maybe we could be um, better in terms of our communication but yeah I think if you speak to a lot of the contractors who were fitting charge points domestically and and, and accessing the, 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 the EVHS electric vehicle home charging scheme grant I think the, well, I, I have yet to meet one that's disappointed that that grant's ended. Now, that might come as a shock to some people who are new to the industry because they might think, well, if that grant's gone, is that going to stop domestic customers and uh, you know from being encouraged to switch to an electric vehicle where they can access a funding pot to get a charge point fitted? Now, maybe so, but I think the greater the the, the greater analogy is that people having to switch to electric whether it's from business purpose or whether it's a personal choice because they actually want to contribute to reducing our nation's carbon footprint uh, Ryan but um, they're going to be a common commodity or a necessity yeah. so from a government's perspective they might they may be moving more towards well we've we've kind of given people a nudge to switch yeah. Now they're becoming a requirement based on the, the guidelines and the targets that we've got for, for, for you know for the future in terms of you know, by twenty thirty the, the ceasing of any new internal combustion engine vehicles. I think they're looking at it more as well, people are going to see these as a as a requirement. So whether we provide a grant or not, people are going to continue to switch to electric, aren't yeah. they? So but the, the, yeah, the feedback in general is, no, we're pleased the domestic grant has gone. The paperwork was an absolute nightmare. It was very time-consuming. There are companies out there who, as you, as you guys will be aware of, because you, you, you've worked with like EV Comply, for example, yeah. who are a fantastic platform. There are others out there as well. Um, EV Comply are a company we also have, have liaised with. Um, seems to be a platform that contractors welcome in terms of getting support for completing grant paperwork, getting support for job completion in terms of categorising at what stage a particular job is, is at, S- support with lead generation, support with tech support, because it's not always possible to access tech support from at the manufacturer direct, and I know that personally, now I'm speaking to contractors, so having skilled people that work for a third party, so to speak, who have got experience in the industry it's only going to help us as a, as a manufacturer so but yeah there are, there are a lot of new grants that, you know that are coming that are becoming available and people are talking about you know the uh the small to medium business enterprise grants for both charging provision or, or certainly charging infrastructure in terms of you know that's you know they're they're preparing 
you know, charging provision on these sites, that's going to be massive take up on that. Landlords are now have the capacity to access a, a grant pot for charge point provision. Uh, local authorities with social housing schemes also have access to a, to a funded pot now for grants towards the EV charging provision. Uh, <clears throat> small accommodation sites, so you know, the B&B type place, whatever you, there's, again, there's certainly been a conscious thought by, by OZEV to look at target audiences that should have the benefit, right, of, of, of a funding pot to accelerate their transition to to having EV charging provision on site. So it is, it's exciting because I think contractors see an opportunity with their existing and potential new customers to say, are you aware of this? And I think OZEV in turn are saying, right, we need to provide more information to help these people articulate the message to the masses. So, you yeah. know, that's that's great from an industry industry perspective. It, it all comes down to communication, I think, between obviously government, those are the installers and the customers. And part of it comes down to the education that's out there in terms of EV. And I think that's still like a challenge um, for, obviously, for you guys as well as like um, other kind of charge point businesses in general, just in terms of being able to persuade people the benefits of switching from EV. I mean, mm-hmm. we've kind of spoken about this at length. Um, but if, if you could like, I don't know, take a crystal ball and say, what would you like to see happen within the EV space within say the next sort of two or three years? Like what would be your sort of ideal situation for the market? Okay, from a, from a manufacturing um, perspective, I mean, we develop both hardware and software because software is becoming increasingly, increasingly more pertinent and, and, and in demand in terms of it's it's very rare now right on a commercial site where you fit just one charge point yeah which results in the the proprietors wanting to ensure that the available load on their site the capacity the spare capacity they've got for an electric vehicle charge point network is is managed accordingly for, from a safety perspective um they've probably not got the capital to invest in upgrading their infrastructure on site, so they need to utilise what they've got in a safe manner to provide charging provisions. So software is becoming um, increasingly so a a highly in-demand service. And you'll see software development companies who seem to be springing up more and more now. We we get approached on a regular basis, as I'm sure other hardware manufacturers do, from these independent software developers uh, we are, we have our own backend software platform, but the beauty of our products and and others in the industry is, you know, they have communications protocol that's kind of industry standard now. That means our charge points can be visible and can communicate on other people's backend systems, so we're not just fixed to them only being able to work on our ICS platform. So it's having that flexibility because at some sites that'll have. Yours included as our different manufacturers charge points on 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 on, the, on on site both both past and present. So there needs to be there needs to be kind of a unified method of which those charge points can potentially communicate to one another. They can all interact on the same system here, and and, and of course uh, elsewhere. So from what I would like to see, certainly a great greater harmony between the 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 distribution network operators and charge point manufacturers and installers because we're all going to need to do a bit of hand-holding with one another and when I speak to to contractors Ryan there seems to be in a lot of cases there seems to be an apprehension from contractors to um, want to explore 
developing a really healthy relationship with DNOs and maybe that's from past experience where they've had difficulty in liaising with their local DNOs or the yeah. feedback they've had has, or the interactions they've had have not always been over overly positive. Now, DNOs are, I'm, I'm sure if you, and it might be a good idea, it might be a brilliant one for you to consider for a future podcast if you could get some, a, a, a distribution network operator from one of the, you know, the, 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 the companies in question. I don't know whether it's Northern power grid here where you know in Wakefield but if you could get one of those to come on and talk about Evie from their perspective that'd be a massive for me I'd be I'd be really intrigued and interested to see what that how they see things from their perspective. Um, it's great everybody that's switching to EV is reducing the carbon footprint but of course when they plug into the grid they're they're, they're pulling from what's already a, a stretched grid and in some cases maybe according to some oversubscribed. Yeah. So there needs to be a conscious effort to provide respite for the grid moving forward. So I do think you'll see um, a reintroduction of incentives to both domestic and commercial customers to look at self-generation, whether it's PV or wind, having battery storage. We've certainly gone down the route of developing our existing and future products so they've got solar compatibility, but also one, one exciting forthcoming addition to our product family is domestic battery storage and no doubt we'll expand that to commercial battery storage as well um but yeah I th i'd love to see greater harmony between all interested parties if you like all parties yeah. concerned so um when i speak to contractors i do advise and look if i was a contractor and i, I most definitely am not but if i if i am i'd be looking at, at, at ev charge point installs around and thinking how can i make my life simpler and easier so I would be perhaps going above and beyond to communicate with the, the local DNOs to say, this is what charge point I'm using, this is the method of load management I'm using. Now in a lot of cases, that's a, a prerequisite and a requirement, requirement um, particularly if you're fitting multiple charge points. But even if I was fitting one at Mr. and Mrs. Smith's house, I would communicate with the DNO to say, I'm fitting this charge point at this property, this is the method of load management that's going to be installed on site, just to kind of give them peace of mind that I'm, I'm trying to make a conscious effort to have safety as paramount in my install. Yeah. Um, there's a, you know, a number of domestic customers who may have quite a small fuse at their house and they've got an electric shower, electric oven, tumble dryers, dishwashers, and potentially a 32 amp charger that could all be operating at one time. Now that's quite, to a contractor and to a DNO, I would imagine that's quite a scary thought. Yeah. So, and um, certainly for what I'm seeing is there's a, a, a growing desire from contractors to make sure there's load management installed both domestically or commercially and I, I often say look from a peace of mind perspective articulate that to your local DNO because what you might get is somebody saying you know a DNO reply and say oh thank you Ryan for, for making, making us aware of this and that's the beginning of a, of a, a you know of a burgeoning relationship that that you as a contractor, let's say in this example, are going to need moving forward. So yeah, good stuff. I mean, I think what you're alluding to quite a lot there is having a kind of smart network in place. So having you know smart charging, load management on the grid as well. So you know charging at off peak times and at times where there isn't load on the grid essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting as well. You bring up solar PV and battery because it's kind of all becoming part of this growing sort of renewable push that I think the UK is going down. I know 
universal skills here we're, we're kind of developing out solar pv and battery storage courses as well moving into heat pump so we're definitely seeing benefit from from that and with, you know the inquiries around those sort of areas are kind of increasing as well so is that kind of like the future then do you think for, for ics kind of continue down that route well i think you've just answered that yeah. with, there right yeah I th- I, certainly for us i mean we're, look, we're, we see great synergy between ev charging and battery storage and the fact that more and more people are going to look at having uh, solar provision on site whether that be domestic or commercial and I think there was you know I've been in this in this industry for some time now and and, and um, I've crossed paths with many uh, solar panel and, and inverter distributors and installers as well and when the feeding tariff disappeared I think there was a, a general consensus that they, they may see uh, a real nosedive in demand for for solar and, and, and self-generation tech. And anybody I speak to who's involved in that industry couldn't couldn't you know it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, they say the demand is as, as high as it's ever been. I think the fact that yeah, electricity tariffs are going up has perhaps driven more people around to look at whether they can make a long-term investment in, in having renewable tech installed on their premises, again domestic or commercially, and, and look at kind of a return on investment period uh, so yeah I absolutely do I think that you know the, the, the you know, hence why we've developed our own battery device which is coming out uh, in the near future we want customers to be able to have the ability to um, fill their battery up from solar generated energy at night time when obviously there's no solar being generated have the ability to fill or charge a battery off the main supply if there's the reintroduction of these off-peak tariffs that you've mentioned and then we also want them to have the choice as to whether they want to discharge the battery yeah to charge their vehicle or power their home their home or if they want to continue taking from the mains and keep that stored energy in the battery in reserve for for other means whatever they they seem fit so yeah we absolutely do there certainly seems to be a growing trend from the electric wholesaler market to invest in developing their renewables and green tech expertise and certainly the wholesale partners that we work with um, they've made big committed investment to to work with some of those highly reputable solar and pv wholesalers so yeah it's very exciting it, it you know it's as an industry it's it, it's fast-paced and constantly growing and involving yeah. evolving when i saw you at the, the 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 event that cef put on at sheffield last week it was great to see um it was great to see the exhibitors and what innovation they've 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 undertaken with their own products offering and, and, and both from a charge point perspective and relatable tech. So yeah, very very exciting. And I do think it'll be a common occurrence where there's there's solar, there's battery storage, there's electric vehicle charging provision and they're kind of working hand in hand in hand. So. Yeah, definitely. A lot of food for thought there, Liam. I mean, thank you for joining us today. I yeah, mean, no problem. Hopefully, we get you in a bit more than four months next time. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe see how we get another year. Well, we, we, we always seem to say we must do this again and must do it soon, and then we all get busy <laughs> with our respective schedules. But, but yeah, listen, it's um, the relationship we've got with Universal Skills Group is one that we hope continues to grow. So, I certainly hope it's sooner than four months' time that I'm back in uh, in whatever capacity way so thank you for having me this morning all right quick for the next week yeah absolutely no problem (laughs) (laughs) all right cheers thank Thank you you. cheers mate
That was a very interesting discussion between Ryan and Liam. There are some exciting new developments coming in this industry and at Universal Skills we'll be keeping you up to date. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. See you soon.